0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. We are officially in quarantine with the coronavirus. Yep. And Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I was previously kind of making light of it, just going, ah, everyone's freaking out. And then I'm just like, okay, this is real. Mm-hmm. But um, it definitely has not stopped what we're doing. Nope, and uh this is the perfect time for all of you guys to go binge listen a bunch of our old episodes because mm. yeah. you you can practice social distancing while still being connected with us oh, you don't look have at have that. To, you don't have to <laughs> distance yourselves from our voices yeah our uh the germs are not g- making its way through the the wavelengths of the audio file into your device, so you should be safe at least I think I hope.
1: I don't know i don't I'm not an epidemiologist I I'm not know. a sci-
0: I'm not a sciencer <laughs>
1: yeah
0: i'm a I'm a man of art, not a man of science Ooh. so um but yeah uh, go check out all of our older episodes during this time when you're bored out of your mind and don't know what else to do mm-hmm. Um, it'll be a great way to kill the time. And uh, something that we're going to start doing fairly soon is we're going to finally start doing those volume twos that I keep talking about. So you're definitely going to want to make sure that you brush up on certain episodes. That way when those volume twos come out, you don't know which ones we're going to do first. Right. So that way you'll be ready. And um, on whatever platform you're listening on – Please hit that subscribe button. It'll let you know when new episodes are available. We're still sk- sticking with our schedule every Monday morning, 9 a.m. Central. We uh, actually record kind of ahead, so even if something goes crazy like they put us on a national-wide lockdown, which everyone keeps saying is going to happen, mm-hmm. we've still got episodes under our belt to yep. be able to just whip, whip out there. So you, sh- unless this lasts like a month of us not able to leave our houses, then – you know, you might see a lull there, but <laughs> for the time being, everything should be fine. Yeah. So, um and yeah, leave us a review, leave us a comment, uh let us know uh, you know, what you like, what you would like to see us do, what episodes you would like to see us cover in the future, what bands, and um and then share with it, whoever you think might like a music information slash geeking out podcast. So Yep. Uh, and then we've also got social media. We have an Instagram now.
1: Yes. Uh, it's at goodmusicpodcast, all one word.
0: Yes. Uh, um, Grant is is going to be our fearless leader, social media-wise. Yeah.
1: I'm trying to figure out Facebook. I don't really understand Facebook. I don't really understand how to get on Facebook
0: yeah. at the moment,
1: but we'll figure that out. So Facebook, that's that's what I grew up
0: with. Like yeah. When I was a freshman in high school, that's when Facebook started getting really big. And so...
1: When, when that's you,
0: that's what I grew up on, and I don't understand this Instagram crap. When you
1: turned over the Instagram page to me, it had like one follower. Yep, and um, that was actually one of the teachers from my high school. That's pretty funny. Yeah, so Mr. McIntosh, thanks for following our yeah. Instagram page. Oh uh, yeah,
0: I've known him. I've known him for almost fifteen years now. No, mm-hmm. small world. He uh, he. We didn't go to school together, but we went to church together, and we worked out at uh, at summer camp every year, So, wow. Uh, he's a good friend of mine, and then we he taught at Lincoln for a couple years, the same year that I did before okay. he went to your school. Right. So we've just we've always been around each other and always been good friends. So if you're listening, Mr. Mac, what up? <laughs> but right. uh, we're gonna start creating um, some kind of regular social media posts to where you should hopefully see something from us every day. So we're kind of still... Yeah, well, we're still formatting.
1: We're still kind of getting... We won't overload your feed. We'll probably do something every day, but post yeah. every week.
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. And anything <laughs> related as far as if we need to get your attention, like if we have another Doors fiasco, Yeah. Uh, that's where you're going to find the, that's the best way to be able to um, hear that from us, as well as we're still looking for those comments. Uh, we're going to be... Uh, putting some posts and discussions out there, our favorite posts we're going to put here on an episode. So we're going to encourage you guys, please get involved. We are starting to get a lot of followers now, but we definitely want to get some back and forth. We want to talk with you guys. This yeah. is going to be the another, especially with social distancing, this is going to be right. a great way for us to be able to still connect and you know not feel like we're completely alone. Right. So. So I had the flu this last week, which was perfect timing for all this quarantine stuff. Right. Luckily, it wasn't corona, but, you know, it gave me a good reason because, like, you know, there's some jobs that are just like, I don't care if it's corona. You still need to get out there. And yep. I was just like, well, <laughs> I can't because I'm sick. Right. Although it was a pretty terrible week, but yeah. I'm all I'm all better now. But if you notice that if my voice is kind of not all the way there, it's because, uh, I'm, I'm still on the tail end of the recovery. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not getting germs on you, I promise. Okay. My family has moved back in the house. I was literally by myself mm. for a week with my dog.
1: Mm. But Did the dog get it?
0: No. Well, look at that. No dog <laughs> flu. That's not going to be the next thing. <laughs> we had swine flu. We had bird flu. No dog flu. Oh,
1: good.
0: Um, so, but it also gave me a lot of great time to, to plan ahead for our podcast and mm-hmm. listen to
1: a lot of artists, do a lot of research. Mm -hmm. And he's downloading The Sims Yes So if he's absent from conversation, that's why Well,
0: no, there's no way I'm going to be absent from conversation on this episode
1: Oh, okay And
0: yeah, so (laughs) without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this episode
1: Yes, so the band we are talking about this week is a band that I'd say I like But I know maybe three of their songs, and it is Muse
0: Yes I know more than
1: three now but, yeah. you know, it's it's one of those bands that everybody has those bands where they've heard multiple songs, and they're like, ooh, I like this band, I want to get more into this band, and they never hear or listen to mm-hmm. anything again. Muse was that way for me. And so, most of these songs, four of these songs, I've never heard before. And which is so, always fun. Which is, which is fun. Because
0: they get to have, we get to have blind reactions, and...
1: Yes, and... The two that I knew were, you obviously know what they were, and they're yeah. the heavier songs of the set, and so listening to the other ones it kind of was interesting. Anyway, so we should probably talk about Muse and what Muse is. So, oh, yeah. Um, names of everybody. It's a three-piece band.
0: Yes, yeah, one of the great power trios, and you don't really see power trios anymore. Nope. Because everything is becoming so... Um, computerized that either it's like you've got like one guy that's like doing tracks or you have to have like tons of musicians on stage to fill the noise right
1: um or you could be slipping on have tons of musicians on stage just
0: well that's 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 exactly what i mean (laughs) um you just you don't see any more bands where you've got just three guys able to hold hold it down you know right
1: yeah okay I mean, now, now that I think about it,
0: I would say they're the last great power trio. Uh, I can't think of any other great, like ones that were able to rise to the top like they did.
1: I mean, Rush did not rise to the top. I'm, I'm they saying, rose to the top in their genre. I'm no, and, oh, Rush. Oh, yeah, is, they did. Rush is
0: way above Muse as far as influence and impact.
1: And I mean, forms. but it, at the at the time,
0: I'm talking about since Muse has come on the scene in 1999. I can't think okay. of anyone after that year. That's a power trio that's gotten to the same level as them. Okay. So that's I think we're saying. saying the
1: same thing. So that's what I'm
0: saying <laughs> I think they're, they're the last great power trio. Yes. And really maybe the last great guitar-based rock
1: group. Ooh, see we should talk about that because I don't really think they're guitar-based. Um, I think they're pulling the same thing that Ghost is doing and using rock instruments. But they, instead of coming from...
0: I wouldn't say they're guitar-based anymore. A
1: glam rock, they're coming from like a synth-pop influence. And they're just smashing it into rock instruments and trying to make it work. And it works well. I don't say trying to make it work as as a negative thing. Knowing
0: their full catalog of music, I would have to disagree with that. I would say until until a couple of albums ago, I would say this is a guitar based group because the guitar is such a vital part of everything that they do um Mm -hmm. especially i would say you know that for the first five records are so guitar heavy and he was really doing a lot of unique new stuff with the guitar as well
1: right there's a lot of um guitar synth. You know, he'll, yeah. he'll push the guitar through a MIDI controller or something, and then basically play a synth on it. And um, on the first song of the set, it's very obvious.
0: This um, is this is, is where that. your technical knowledge of guitar stuff is going right. to come in handy. And I
1: I dabbled in stuff like that before, and I was just like, oh, that's a cool sound, and then I moved on, um, because there were more interesting sounds to me mm-hmm. that I could make with the guitar.
0: Well, um, anyway, we we were about to start. Uh... Talking about who the members of the band are. Oh, were. right. We should track. probably
1: do that. Okay. Yeah,
0: so the, cent- the center of the band is Mad Bellamy, the who's the singer-slash-guitarist-slash-piano
1: player. Songwriter, I'm sure. And song, yeah. Or, uh, or is it, like, collaborative?
0: Well, they write the music together, but he's the lyricist for Oh, uh, sure. Uh, I think the Very other... Very good lyricist. The friend. other two, they dabble, but he's, like, the main one. He comes, especially the ones where the mm-hmm. albums are more concept-based. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that. In a little bit Um But I mean He's He's the The creative center Of the band He's truly Truly a genius musician His knowledge mm-hmm. Of theory Yes And his technical ability On not Not just the guitar But the piano mm-hmm. as well Uh-huh I mean That the, he can be Equally as
1: good On both of those And he's an excellent vocalist
0: And an incredible vocalist So identifiable Mm-hmm um, it's just he's he is he is a prodigy. Yeah, I want to say that first. Their first record came out, and he was like 20, 21 wow. years old, very young, and was already playing at that level.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's incredible. <laughs> um, and then you have um, I I had to look this up because I want to make sure I say this right because I always get this wrong. Chris Wolstenholm is the bass is the bass player.
1: Yes, Uh-oh. he's also. His his head is recognizable. His head <laughs> I is... should say that. <laughs> and his bass tone too. It's kind yeah. of metal zone y. Mm-hmm. Kinda sounds like the buzzing bee. Yeah. Um but super modern.
0: Yeah. Sounding. Uh-huh. Uh,
1: he kinda reminds me a lot of Trenton, you know. Oh yeah? Yeah. I Trenton can, plays can, a lot like I
0: can see him being <laughs> influenced by that. And then we've got uh, Dominic Howard on drums. Dom, as he's as he's called.
1: See, whenever I, I see any performances of Muse Live, they only focus on, um, and I forgot their names. Matt and Matt, Chris. Matt and Chris, yeah. I've never seen Dom. See,
0: I actually, as much as I love Matt and Chris, Dom is maybe my favorite member of the band. Oh, he's
1: great. Yeah, there's no...
0: He's he's one of the drummers that has influenced me the most, for sure, mm. as far as his style and the way he plays and the way he constructs his drum beats. He's up there with Neil Peart I, and... Yeah. Um and Nick Menza and Mike Portnoy. like mm-hmm. Dom, Just the way that he is... He plays only what needs to be played, mm-hmm. but he plays it so solid mm-hmm. and with such great groove.
1: Yeah, I would say he's the less in-your-face version of Vinnie Paul.
0: Yes, exactly. Very good groove, exactly. right in the pocket, knows
1: exactly what to play. He's
0: the hard rock Vinnie Paul, and that's why... And Vinnie Paul is one of my favorite metal drummers of all time. And one of the ones that, again, I would say top five for me.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I would say that they're counterparts of each other as far as the genre that they're in. Right. Just again, very, very tight, very exact, but -hmm. at the same time it grooves so well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I really love Dom and he's influenced my playing a lot. So, um, Let's look a little bit at kind of their their trajectory. Okay. So this is a British band. Right. And I want to briefly talk about, like, why they sound the way that they do. And in my opinion, this band, they're like the spiritual successors to Queen.
1: Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> uh,
0: as far as just the the operatic nature of a lot of what they do, mm-hmm. the very theatrical... They're very diverse and eclectic. When you're listening to an album, you kind of don't know what style you're going to be hit with next.
1: Yeah, and they're an arena-based band.
0: Yes. They write arena songs. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not writing indie classics. They're not, you know, they're not writing really radio songs. Although some of their songs got really big on radio. That wasn't mm-hmm. the intention, I believe. Right. I think, again, their intention was, let's make these big stadium anthems.
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: And when you look at British music, um, really, Queen kind of was the most important band for them. It's the band Mm -hmm. that kind of has gained the most respect in that area of the world. And so it's easy to see why Muse got so big over in Europe. Like, they're big Mm -hmm. in America. They're nowhere near as big here as they are there.
1: That makes sense, like, because I like, always thought they were an American band.
0: Nope. They they are, <laughs> like, I would say, like, they're the biggest British band of the last 20 years.
1: I can't name another British band from the last 20 years, so yeah, I'll have to agree with that.
0: As far as just how, like, like, five years into their career, they were packing, selling out Wembley Stadium. Wow. That's how big they got in such a small amount of time.
1: I don't know what Wembley Stadium is, but I mean... I Wembley really Stadium lie. is about <laughs>
0: as big of a place as you can play in in London. I mean, there's probably...
1: Two.
0: Probably over a...
1: 100,000?
0: Probably around that size. Wow. To do that within five years... To do that, yeah. Like, I could understand maybe them doing that now. Yeah. After 20 years mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Um But... Now, for for them to have done that in,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what was it, 07? Oh, oh so eight years. Yeah,
1: but still. But still.
0: Only four albums out at that point. Huh. So, I mean, just absolutely monstrous. And, again, that's why I think that there really hasn't been another band to come after them as far as in the hard rock and, like, rock and roll sense. Like, you've got Coldplay. You've got the Killers in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Muse is just the what they were able to do and the type of music they played and how they still got so big. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it might have been the last one that we see because I don't think that rock and roll is going to come back in that way. Mm. I really would like for it to, but, and I and I
1: thought... You can't kill rock and roll.
0: No, you can't, but you can't I don't... not
1: kill rock and roll. I don't think
0: you can revive it either. Like the man said yeah
1: oh well anyway um
0: so yeah the first album came out in 99 showbiz right and then origin of symmetry was in 01 and that is a freaking ridiculous record one that does not get talked about quite near enough
1: we don't have any songs
0: no because it's also a very harsh record there you go it's it's (laughs) for those of you um as far as the way I pick the songs, I'm picking them as if you've never listened to this band before. If you've never listened to them before, uh, Origin of Symmetry is not the album to start with. Oh. Because it is intense. Okay, um, I might show you some cuts from it later because it's got some of the sickest guitar riffs I've ever heard. Oh,
1: no, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, good.
0: But it was in 04 when Absolution came out. That's like...
1: Oh yeah, and that had hysteria on it. Yeah, which I've well, I would that say
0: I would say even more had time is running out on it. That was like their first top ten,
1: hmm.
0: and I want to say that was their first album to go number one in the UK. Hmm. And so that Three was in. that was the album that really like broke them big in Europe. They were getting a really strong following. Like um, Origin of Symmetry was like this big critical hmm. hit. And they were really starting to get a large underground following. And then Absolution was, like, the breaking point where they just, like, Mm -hmm. boom. And then Black Holes and Revelations, I want to say that came out in 06. Mm -hmm. I I can double-check that. Yeah, 06. That was the album that got them big in America because that had... Because that had Nights
1: of Cydonia uh, and Starlight.
0: I would say Supermassive Black Hole.
1: I've never heard that song.
0: That United Sidonia <laughs> as well. That being on um, on one of the Guitar Hero games really helped them. Oh yeah. So, yeah, and Starlight was a really really big hit for them as well. But that was that was like the the album that that like got them big in America. Mm-hmm. And then from then on it was just you know let's just keep getting bigger and bigger. Resistance mm-hmm. was huge. Up I remember hearing mm-hmm. Uprising everywhere. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was the first album that I heard. Um. After already discovering them, I discovered them right after Black Holes came out
1: mm-hmm.
0: because of Guitar Hero. I heard Knights of Sidonia right. on there. I was just like, "Holy crap! What is this band? I gotta check this out." Yeah. And I got Absolution and Black Holes and fell in love with them and was really excited when Resistance came out. But Resistance was a big shift stylistically. It's kind of when they started to stray away from a lot of the guitar-based stuff really started focusing a lot more on piano, on synth, and kind of mechanizing their sound a little more.
1: Oh, they pulled a Van Halen.
0: And then Second (laughs) Law came out in 2012, and that is, to me, that's a really divisive record because it's Mm. got some really great really great stuff on it mm-hmm. but then it's got some really not great stuff like they, they experimented with dubstep on that record no
1: it's really bad that that genre only lasted for a year and a half
0: it lasted longer but I would say it was only good for <laughs> that long
1: yeah
0: it lasted way longer
1: I'm sure it still exists yeah right now in the underground but... um but and then, then you had
0: then nice. you had stuff on there like freaking supremacy and yeah, panic station and survivals that are just like holy crap these songs are freaking good um, and then in 2015 they released maybe close to my favorite Muse record with, with Drones.
1: Ah, yes. That is the first drones. Muse album I... Drones
0: was such yeah. a great comeback because I thought that they were going to get lost in the in the tech world. Because Second yeah. Law was really showing that they were moving that direction. Mm-hmm. And I was really scared about Drones. And then I heard it and I was like, Muse is back and they're yeah. better than ever. Yeah,
1: I told you I'd listened to um, like... That album all the way through, but the only one I remember was Reapers because it was just so good.
0: Yeah, it's um, the best song on the
1: album. It's the best song on the album.
0: But, and then, and then the newest one, Simulation Theory, came out last year, and that's mm-hmm. the album that I expected Jones to be. That one is a uh, is a synth covered mess. Oh yeah. And I'm that's, really, that's what I heard. I'm really I'm really sad by it. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad album because if you're uh, when you're talking about like synthy stuff i guess it works but mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like muse anymore Yep. it's just like i'm listening to it, just like what are you guys doing
1: yeah one of, one of my friends is really big into muse he used to be really big into rush when we were both big into rush and now he's equally as big into muse and he told me to listen to drones and not simulation theory he said specifically do not listen to simulation theory it sucks so I haven't listened to it, so thanks. Thanks, Thunder, for not telling me. Yeah, Thunder. (laughs) That is his legal name. (laughs) He got it legally changed. God
0: given birth name. Well,
1: not birth name. But he got it legally changed. (laughs) Okay. Everybody just calls him Thunder. So he just got it changed. Thunder. So he can actually sign Thunderheart.
0: Thunderheart. That's a great band name right there. That
1: was his stage name when we were in a band together. Thunderheart. It was Thunderheart. And he changed it to Thunder. And I like Thunderheart better. But... Yeah. Whatever.
0: Huh. Anyway,
1: if you're listening to this, thanks for telling me to listen to drones.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a great
1: decision. Uh, great
0: recommendation.
1: But probably my first... Um, oh... What's the word? The first time I was exposed to Muse was when I was in a... Like, a program for the place I took lessons at. They had a summer program where you'd, like, get in a band, different band from Thunderheart, um, and you'd, like, record an EP of covers. And one of the songs we did was Starlight. Hmm. And I wasn't... Like, all the other songs were super, like, synth pop, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... so
0: the one kind of rocker on And I was the
1: one rocker in the group, too. And so we decided to put a guitar solo in there, and it was the first guitar solo I ever improvised on a recording.
0: Nice. I know.
1: So that song's kinda special.
0: Hey, yeah, we'll but, uh, we'll uh, talk about that song sometime.
1: Maybe. But it that's just a footnote in my musical career.
0: Yeah. But
1: I thought it was worth mentioning that I I know that song at least. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um my relationship with these albums is really uh tricky because There's only two Muse albums that I love from start to finish, but neither of those two are my favorite Muse albums.
1: Okay, I can can understand that.
0: There's a lot of their records that I love the first two-thirds of, Mm -hmm. and then the last third I can never get through. Yeah. I can tell it's the songs that just, like, I'll put these at the end of the album. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel that way about Origin of Symmetry. Mm-hmm. The first two thirds of that are incredible, and mm-hmm. then the last third, I'm just like, eh. Yeah. Uh, I feel that way about Absolution, which is my favorite Muse album. Mm-hmm. If that album ended on Butterflies and Hurricanes, I'd say that's a perfect record. Mm-hmm. But then there's like four more songs after that that I'm just like, I don't care for these.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not that they're bad, but it's like there's they're nowhere near where the first two thirds of the album are. Um, with Resistance and Second Law, those are more like half and half. Hmm. I love half the record. I really don't like half the record. And then Black Holes and Drones are the two ones that I will listen to from start to finish and love every song.
1: Yeah, I have to listen to Drones again. You need to listen to Black Holes. Okay. Black Holes, every
0: song on that album is
1: incredible. I mean, I have a half-hour drive home. I could probably knock a good chunk of it
0: out. Yeah, probably. <laughs> or you could listen to two-thirds of one of those albums. That's true. <laughs> like if you if you got in the car and turned on Absolution, and probably by the time you get back to where you're going, Butterflies and Hurricanes will be done. Then that's like you, that's just, it. Start, you just turn it off right there, and that's, that's <laughs> don't a, worry about it. <laughs> yep. For those of you that like the back two-thirds of any of those albums I just recommended, I'm not saying that. <laughs> oh, and then don't listen to Showbiz. I don't like Showbiz.
1: The first one,
0: yeah. And yeah. so the first one, the last one, don't listen to them.
1: Yeah, all
0: right. Um, and then yeah, those are my opinions on the other ones. But Muse is just—they walk this great line, and it's these are subjects that I want to delve into when we do deeper dives.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I want to explore more of the specific areas that they inhabit. Because like, I want to do an episode where I specifically look at more of their pop-oriented stuff. It's why you're going to see songs like Starlight and Supermassive Black Hole and Madness. Songs that you would think would be guaranteed to make a list like this. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be on there. Because because you're saving them. I'm saving them for a specific thing. I'm also not... uh, I also want to do an episode of theirs where I focus really on the heavier side this is where we're gonna look at a lot of origin of symmetry um, some stuff like uh, like Stockholm syndrome off of absolution and oh yeah um, Unnatural selection from resistance stuff like that to where it's you know we're gonna look at the harder edge mm-hmm. and so you won't see as much of that on this list as well this episode I'm really concentrating on like what is pure muse? When you when they're not leaning in either camp, what are the songs that like you listen to it and it's just like this is Muse at their musiest. Yes,
1: when Muse follows their own muse.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> no, I wanted to make that pun for about thirty minutes now,
0: and I felt I felt <laughs> like this selection of songs, which we'll talk about in the next segment, mm-hmm. um, I feel is the best way to show who Muse is at their core, mm-hmm. kind of. Taking away a maybe a lot of the other influences yeah. what when you take it all away and strip it
1: can't take all of them I mean as no. we'll see but yeah
0: but as as best as you can
1: mm-hmm.
0: so um, if your favorites are not on this episode don't worry we're gonna come back and I'm sure we'll talk about them mm-hmm. uh, but I've always been fascinated by that line that they draw between like you know they'll have pop songs but then they'll just throw like a nasty sounding guitar solo in there yeah
1: yeah <laughs>
0: and um i've always credited matt bellamy with keeping the guitar solo alive a lot longer after everyone else kind of like did away with them
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and a lot of that has to do with pitch shifting effects and that synth guitar synth. he's, he's always figuring out ways to make it sound really interesting and, and different Yes. And as a guitar player it's like I would never want that sound but like that's cool and it yeah. sounds great. And know?
0: and he's and he's making concentrated efforts to keep the guitar relevant. Yes. Which I th- think is really great because so many bands have abandoned that. Yeah. If they're going to use guitar it's just for chords or guitar lines. There's no right. there's no great guitar solos anymore.
1: The guitar is a super fascinating instrument the fact that you can actually be in contact with the things that are vibrating to make the music opens up so many doors that we haven't even begun to understand, but we tried to understand it within the span of 10 years, and that was the 80s, and then we just gave up after that,
0: and mm-hmm. now and now
1: it's devolved into chords, except for Muse.
0: Well, we'll look at other areas where it's survived as well, but okay. Muse is one of the, one of the best ones. I, I,
1: yeah. Okay.
0: So... With that, we'll go ahead and take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the songs we've picked for this episode. So stay tuned.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
0: line. Welcome back everyone to the Good Music Podcast. We are talking about Muse in this episode. And it's time to, it's time to talk about the songs. <laughs> so what are these
1: songs that we're picking out? Well, you mentioned earlier that these songs are not necessarily your favorite songs of Muse, or anyone's favorite songs of Muse, or their greatest hits, but rather a good um representation of what their music is and if it's your first time listening to them what you might expect from the rest of their music um all of these songs are in a spotify playlist that you can find in a link in the description of every episode scroll down to the bottom and the last seven songs we'll talk about in this episode uh the first six are muse and then of course the bonus song which we'll get to later um, and, and the songs are I sequenced think, in a specific yes. way. Yes, they are. So it's not <laughs> just me picking
0: songs as well and putting them in just some random order, but they flow from start to finish. I feel like this set flows pretty well. And um, okay, we can talk about that. Yeah, we <laughs> will. And um, so I want the songs to have to give you an emotional experience from start to finish. You mm-hmm. get to the end of it, and you're just like, ah, oh, that was good.
1: So, yeah, that's true. On this set, that is true.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so let's go ahead and just jump right in with what I think is the best way they've ever opened an album. There's 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 some stiff competition. Uh, you've mm. got Newborn off of Origin of Symmetry. You've mm-hmm. got Dead Inside from Drones, mm. which is what really hooked me onto that record. But Supremacy, starting off Second Law, it's the best best song on the album they're just putting right there up at the front. I remember when I listened to this album for the first time and hit play and Supremacy came on, Mm -hmm. I thought that this was going to be a heck of a record. Mm -hmm. I was kind of let down more as the Mm -hmm. album went on, but man, what a way to start. Mm -hmm. And I just was just like, this needs to be the way we start the list.
1: Right, And, and there's so much about this being an opening song, because as soon as you hear those hits coming in, there's a little bit of synth there, yeah, and so you know there's going to be something extra added in, but you can hear that really modern bass tone, that really uh-huh. modern guitar tone, and the drums are super live. And so you know you know you're dealing with uh, like a, I don't want to say a modern band in a bad way, but you're dealing with a modern band. Mm-hmm. To me, modern is synonymous with bad because you know I'm used to listening to old stuff.
0: Yeah, but anyway,
1: you know you're dealing with with a newer band that has newer ideas. And is more willing to put in synth.
0: Yeah. And use it in very interesting ways. And not just using it as a crutch. As a lot of people yeah. tend to do. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, this is like the best James Bond theme ever written. And it was never even in a James Bond movie. <laughs> I don't know how many James Bond movies you've seen. Um, multiple. But um, it's always a thing that just as... Important as the movie itself is, what's going to be the theme song for this mm-hmm. movie? They always are getting popular artists to do Bond themes. You know, Adele's done one. Oh, I remember that Paul, one. Paul McCartney did one. Duran Duran did one. Um, those are, I would say, like the the biggest, most popular ones. Um, but like, I heard this song and I remember the first time, and I thought, why is this not in a James Bond movie? because this I can this, see it now this song has such a huh. spy thriller sound to it especially with that that, that da, na, na,
1: kind of reminds me of Kashmir honestly. Yeah? and well, and, and, I, and I thought this was gonna be a very Led Zeppelin influenced band when I first heard this yeah because I didn't realize it was and,
0: well that's used, also course. because that's what the the James Bond theme the it's kind of got that oh yeah that I guess that kind of Eastern feel because it's it's very chromatic. Um, I don't Mm -hmm. know what, I don't, you're the expert Um, on modes and things like that. Oh, it
1: sounds kind of like Phrygian. Yeah, so that would be consistent with Mm -hmm. kind of the Eastern.
0: So that's, I remember hearing that, and also it's very similar to, um, Paul McCartney's Live and Let Die.
1: That was a James Bond?
0: Yep. Yep. It was off the movie Live and Let Die, which I'm sure you know, you're probably familiar with the Guns N' Roses version.
1: I'm familiar with both versions, and but I, how
0: they have that. Da-na-na, da-na-na, da-na-na,
1: da-na-na, da-na-na, yep.
0: Da-na-na, da-na-na, so It that,
1: sounds better in the McCartney version.
0: Yes, it does. <laughs> um, but, but when I heard "Supremacy," but that that synth line, that's what my mind went to was "Live and Let Die," and oh, then wow, yeah. and then I was just like, "Oh, this would be an incredible James Bond theme."
1: Should be. And they should write a James Bond movie called at the, Supremacy.
0: At the very least, I thought that um, I thought that this would be like a great audition tape, and that after hearing the song, the producers would be like, "Get Muse to do the next theme song." <laughs> Instead, uh, they got you know Adele and yeah. Sam Smith, yeah. and Billie Eilish is doing the new. Oh no! Actually, I'm I'm pretty excited about that. I actually like her. Oh okay. She's she's doing some really cool, interesting things. Okay. It's a great song. And, um, and
1: that riff would sound better on a guitar, I'm just saying.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> it wouldn't have fit on this on that honest. But we're getting anyway, way off we're track. Anyway, we're getting way off track. Um but this song, I think, if I knew that it was No. How do I want to say this? I felt like it was Muse when I heard his voice because it's very distinct. But I didn't want to commit my mind to being like, oh, this is definitely Muse because I wanted the music to speak for itself. But still, in that way, I was expecting something like Drones, where Uh it's kind of like heavy riffage. And this song disappointed me first hearing it. Hmm. But as I knew what I was expecting, it grew on me. Yeah so.
0: this the song it's it 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 withholds just the right amount because mm-hmm. it's again this is a great introduction song this is kind of like you know we're not going to show you all the bells and whistles that we have instead we're just going to we're going to give you something that just knocks you on your butt and then mm-hmm. but then we still got more to show you as we go on Yeah we yeah. don't have the big flashy guitar solo in the song. We don't.
1: Mm-hmm. But he does a little guitar synth line there, yeah. so it shows that he's still doing that guitar. Uh, but you
0: still have like that that great moment where it, the drums all kick in and it goes that. Da-da-da, which
1: sounds like "Live and Let Die."
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, and, um, and the way he does the vocals on here is very interesting oh, because the, when
0: he hits that big supremacy and note,
1: there's a lot of peaking on the vocal track itself, yeah. which nobody wants. You know. No, but but it, I guess Muse does, and it works great.
0: Yeah. Also, we get introduced to uh, Muse's favorite lyrical theme in the song, which is government conspiracy. Yes.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, it permeates two of the other songs, at least, right?
0: Um, I would say three.
1: Okay. Well, we'll get there because I can only think of two. But um, we'll get the yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to them. But uh, that would probably explain why Thunderheart likes uh, Muse so much because he's politically active. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. They Muse started off their career writing uh, either love songs or like you know, like social songs, like Mm -hmm. you know, songs about anxiety and depression, and Mm -hmm. um, although in very interesting and creative ways, but it was I would say it was around black holes that they kind of started to venture into the, uh, the government oppressing and, and keeping secrets and, and doing all of this crazy crap behind closed doors. (laughs) And it was when resistance came out that they like started going, okay, we're going to like dedicate full albums to this stuff. (laughs) And to me, drones was like the great epitome of that because it was an entire record
1: Is that because they are that way politically or just because it's fun to write about?
0: I think it's both.
1: Okay. Because I can, I can see it just being fun to watch. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure Megadeth does that.
0: Yeah, yeah but I mean, also so, Dave Mustaine does have some kind of crazy ideas about I,
1: what the government does. He certainly did, at least. Um, but anyway, but yeah. So so yeah, you've got uh, there's some crazy music
0: theory. Like there, I, I mean, when when the opening line is "Wake to see that your true emancipation is a fantasy." Uh, yeah,
1: the time has come to destroy your supremacy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They've they've written so many songs. I mean, that's what Uprising's about. Right. Even, like, their love song started to be revolving around, like, overthrowing the government. Like, love is our resistance. They'll keep us apart, but they won't stop breaking us down. Uh, Aw. Yeah, so that's, I would say kind of the second half of their career that's become their lyrical obsession <laughs> and so as an intro song we're also kind of like getting a taste of mm-hmm. what to expect lyrically mm-hmm. from this band as well so overall we've got a great introduction of the band right and also we've got that and i think the maybe the most james bond part of the whole song is the end that's oh that gray, yeah and
1: voice. i thought that it, the song ended before there and so that's when I knew it was Muse was when there was that heavy part and I, I turned s- to you right after that and I go Muse and then you're like nope not done and then there's that just completes the song with that little guitar I ending.
0: still remember vividly hearing this song for the very first time I do too it was and, like a week ago <laughs> and, and my mind being blown but then I that that song ended or at least I thought and then they did that final guitar and I was just like Yes. I remember like being in the car just going, Yes! Yes! They did it! And then it
1: just... the rest of the album.
0: Well, I wouldn't say the rest <laughs> of the album. The the next three songs were still really good. Not as good as Supremacy, but I remember still like listening to it just going, Oh god, oh yeah and then and then from that point then I was just like eh. mm-hmm. But it kind of creates the this guitar line creates this bit of like this mysterious like right. suspense. Like Again, I could I could hear that guitar line in the scene and it's showing on the screen, like directed by such and such, and then it fades to the next yeah. scene. Yeah. mm I so, was
1: thinking that too, yeah.
0: And so we fade into the next song with a, one of the great news bass lines.
1: Uh, and it's off of Absolution. Yep. This song is Time is Running Out. Yes. Is this one of the songs that you were talking about has to do with politics? No, but the music video sure is. It does, yes. Um, which, we probably don't have very much time to talk about all the music videos, but five out of six of these songs have music videos. Yes. And that's just because they are the top of the top, they have the budget to do it. Yep. Um,
0: this was one of the first music videos that they did.
1: Well, it's one of their first albums. It
0: was on the third album. Yeah, the third album. Yeah. But yeah, this was their first big hit. It's the first mm-hmm. single to crack the top ten in, mm-hmm. in Europe
1: this in my mind is is a generic pop song done very well
0: what it's been musified it's been Again, musified. this is this is a song that i would say is i would only say there's like like this is this is a quintessential classic muse song one of the few hmm. ones that i put on this list the hmm. one that it's like you they they play it at every live show everyone knows all the words Um, this is one of those ones that, like, I would say most people, if they were to name a couple Muse songs, this is one of the ones that they would recognize. Huh. Um. Okay.
1: Would not have guessed.
0: And yeah, I think this is, this is, this is pure Muse in this song.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I, I will say this song, um, has some interesting theory behind it just like the previous song Mm -hmm. where when they'll go into the chorus they'll drop to the four chord which is kind of rare yeah um but it still sounds like a release of energy Mm -hmm. and that's because dom kind of goes a little bit crazier on the drums oh so yeah we should probably talk about drum beats in this song
0: oh yeah i love playing this song on drums especially that that pre-chorus
1: yeah uh-huh hell yeah
0: I th- he really kind of that became one of his um one of his what's the word I'm looking for um, iconic one of his yeah one of his signature grooves
1: is go. the yeah. way
0: that he could play on the toms and kind of get these tribal beats going mm, while mm-hmm. still making it sound clean and very intentional yeah. Um, It's something that I still haven't quite mastered, but it's something I always work on whenever I'm playing along with Muse songs, is let's Mm -hmm. work on my Tom work. Yeah, I wish I could do that too. Um, And yeah, I love just the way he... Dom reminded me a lot of Neil Peart in the way that he constructs his drum grooves, mm -hmm. in the way that he orchestrates, like the first time you hear the groove, it's going to be very basic. The Mm -hmm. first time you hear a fill... It's not going to be super complex. But then, Mm -hmm. as they're returning to different parts, he's playing them slightly different each time and adding kind of a level of either uh, increased complexity or increased intensity. Mm -hmm. And so. um, I can see that. Yeah. That's something that Neil Peer always did, that he would, you know, he would start things off relatively simple. I mean, it was still.
1: It was still Neil Peer, yeah. But
0: as the song would go on, he would kind of. Increase the complexity of what he was doing to where this the the fill would, or the groove would be kind of the same, but he would add in this this little extra thing to make you feel like the song's moving forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dom does that as well, and that's that's I think that's a subconscious thing for a long time. But as I've gotten older and kind of examined it more, I think that that is a reason why I've really been drawn to him because I love that way of drum composition.
1: Yes, and. You mentioned that that's your favorite um, song structure, is that linear increase. Well, so I it makes I would, sense that if say, the drums were linear. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I, I guess I wouldn't say that they... Because the song doesn't always increase in intensity because it has kind of ups and downs. Like, it's you know, you have that big post-chorus and then it, like, drops well, down. Well, in this song, yes, yes. But just the way, again, that they, they, they progress the song. He's not... Like he's playing it really tight and really simple, mm-hmm. but he's just adding little little sprinkles here and there, to where it's not just either he's playing the same thing or he's doesn't sound like he's making it up on the spot either. He's mm-hmm. playing exactly what he's gonna play, mm-hmm. and he's orchestrated in a way to where it builds to a satisfying conclusion by the end
1: of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and this post-chorus, I think, is fantastic. Yeah, it's probably. I don't, mm. it's one of the best written parts of this set. I was about to say it's the best part. Now to clarify, of set,
0: your post-chorus is the ooh,
1: ooh yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. That is so fun to try to sing along to because it's mm-hmm. way up there. Yeah. But it's very melodic and it's very simple. Mm-hmm. But as a musician, it still appeals to me.
0: Yeah. To me, my favorite part is those pre-choruses where he's jamming on the toms Mm
1: -hmm. that is cool too yeah
0: and then I love the groove on the second verse too oh yeah Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah Um,
0: so
1: yeah this song is also pretty well I shouldn't say also pretty simple the next song is also pretty simple which we should get to it's off the same album
0: yeah my favorite Muse song
1: oh this is my least favorite of the set
0: what yeah
1: what it was kind of forgettable, oh. honestly. I as I would, you know, go through each song and try to like think of like my favorite part of every song. I just couldn't think of my favorite. part Maybe
0: of this the best bass intro of all time. That that bass line has has become like in of itself iconic.
1: Okay, I'll give you that. The intro to the the bass line intro is pretty good.
0: I mean, it's such incredible tone. The way that it's played, it's so smooth yet so aggressive. Um, And to me, this song I think is is the quintessential Muse song. And it's no, don't say that. You look on, you look online because I've looked at a lot of like just trying to gauge what other people think are the greatest Muse songs. This song on every list is either number one or number two. Because to me, this distills everything that's perf- that's great about Muse and puts it into one like perfect little blob.
1: Th- that's true. It's got the arena. It's got the synth. It's mm-hmm. got his vocals where he's too the, close gu- to the mic and the breathing gr- in
0: the great guitar solo. That that guitar riff. That
1: mm-hmm.
0: That's so good.
1: Uh huh. Which is. Another weird music theory thing, it's it's like a Hungarian minor harmonic mm. or something like that. Basically, you take the minor scale and sharp the seven. Hmm. Um, a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, Western music, like cowboys and yeah. Indians kind of Western, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, which makes we'll, sense we'll because that.
0: that's where his, his a lot of his um, classical inspiration comes from, is from the Romantic era. Of classical music, which we'll talk there about even more when we get to another song in this set.
1: Ooh, okay. Cool. I think... Oh, I think I know which one we're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yes, this song I've heard of a
0: lot. hmm And this I have cool. heard the bass line. This song is, has become like a holy grail for bass players. And...
1: See, I'm playing it in my head right now. It just... It doesn't g- reach out and grab me. You See what
0: I'm saying? So, like, for me, Knights <laughs> of Sidonia was the first one I heard. Yeah. Then I remember hearing uh, Supermassive Black Hole and Starlight after that and going, mm-hmm. yeah, this is cool. But it was when I heard Hysteria the first time that I was just like, okay, I'm a Muse fan now. This song freaking rocks. Uh, this mm-hmm. is one of the first songs I ever self-taught myself on drums. Um, and... I just, I think that this, it's like if you have one song to, to like sum up what Muse is, it's I think it's this song. I think that this has all of the elements and.
1: Does it have the political element? Eh, it,
0: doesn't have, it doesn't have that. <laughs> I mean, I guess no song has every element of a band. That's true. But I think this is as close as it gets. Um, and. That, and you also just have that that great outro riff of just like headbanging glory. Oh, that's true. It does. I
1: totally forgot about that. Yeah, and I was picking around on that the other day. I'm like, that is so simple. It's just chromatically walking down.
0: Yeah, but it's but it works. So that's that's a that is a Muse trademark is to have these great. Like groove outros.
1: Oh, oh yeah, which oh, we'll, we'll talk, about, we'll talk some about some more.
0: Yeah, but that actually is in a lot of their songs. It's just like they'll mm-hmm. finish the vocal and then they'll go to like, right. they'll go to one more section that they either introduced early in the song or something that's completely different. Right. And they'll just like, you know, they'll, you know, he'll just smash on the crash cymbal and they're just, right. they're just, and
1: that's that's one of my favorite. I I mentioned a couple minutes ago that your favorite song structure is that linear track. My favorite is just a normal song. You have a normal, you know, intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, solo, chorus, chorus. And then you have that intense breakdown that is in a different time signature or tempo or whatever of the song. And Mm -hmm. it just isn't, doesn't sit quite right, but it grooves so hard. And yes, this one um, does do that. This outro, yeah. So I'll give you that. That's a great. And outro.
0: I think you need to you need to observe the guitar solo again because that's one of my favorite Muse guitar solos. It's it's like it's simple and melodic, but it's got it's just it's got attitude and it's got this 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 epic nature about it. That oh, <laughs> That's
1: na 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 na
0: na 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 he, he kind of adds some stuff into it and. When it opens up into the chorus, the ba-na-na, ba-na-na, mm.
1: Okay. Well, I guess I didn't even know it was a solo, so it served the song. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. I mean there's something to be said about that.
0: I think that you need to Now that you know that now, this is this is like the essential muse song for a,
1: <laughs> that didn't change what I like. I about think you it, should I think
0: you should give it some more lessons. Okay.
1: Because okay. I, I, mean, I will do that.
0: Yeah. But anyway, so we, we've we got a lot of momentum moving forward, though, with this song. Yes, we do. In a way, that guitar solo to me is almost kind of like it's a turning point in the set. It's kind of like it gets really epic right there and with that big outro. And it's like we get to the next song that's, again, full of energy, but it's got a bit... It's got a darker edge to it. Mm-hmm. And that song is... Throne's. No.
1: Hysteria. No. No, the next song is Reapers off of, off of Drones. Awesome. Yeah, you're on the right. No. Goodness. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. Okay. No, see because I said drones because they say the word drone so many times in this song. Mm-hmm. And so in my they mind this so is drones. They so many times <laughs> the whole album. But that's true. They do. Let's but,
0: let's real quick talk about the concept of the album drones. Because so it tell I'm gonna guess. Okay.
1: Okay. I think that it is about how people are slowly being controlled like drones by either the government or the government through technology, or somehow we're becoming less autonomous and we're being mm-hmm. controlled. I think. That's and, what
0: it is. and specifically, it's through um, military like. Have You ever seen the movie um, Full Metal Jacket? Yes. <laughs> so that's kind of I th- I feel like that's where they're gathering most of their inspiration. Where you're just like you're completely debasing and and um, and humiliating these people to the point to where they just become like um, almost like mind control, brainwashing. Mm-hmm. To where so this it's the the album, and I, I actually don't think there's like actual like story like this is the beginning of the story this but like there's definitely an arc that goes through it and i've kind of almost like filled in the gaps mm-hmm. narratively in my head to like make it a story and it makes it more fun to listen to as an album
1: right yeah kind of um, leave it open to the but listen. like it
0: you know it starts the first song is already the brainwashing
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know dead inside you move into psycho where it's now I we're going to play being pretty good we're going to you know implement your new brainwashed mind with you know these these killer tactics and and skills and then by the time you get to reapers it's like now these the drones are out in the field this is this is the i would say the dark point of the album where mm-hmm. he's doing everything that they're telling him to do he's not wanting to but he can't stop himself they say the trigger word and he's He's gone. Hmm. The, when they're saying, you know, killed by drones, he's the he's one of the drones, and they're they're coming in. They're that's a they, whole other angle. They are the they are the reapers. They're reaping lives, grim reapers.
1: That's a whole nother angle. I didn't Him and his even. Team.
0: And then after this song is the point where he starts fighting the mind control, and he you know the whole album ends with. The Globalist. Him, le- yeah, right. him leading a, you know, a revolution against the government that suppressed him, but then the album ends super dark because they all lose.
1: Right. <laughs> they well, all get killed. I mean, that's how dystopian novels work. Yeah. You don't really win ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, mean... Globalist.
0: That's a great song.
1: <sighs> okay. <laughs> it
0: serves exactly what needs to for the album.
1: Well, now that I know about that, I, I feel like I should listen to that album. It's
0: later. the epic conclusion.
1: But, um,. This song, I noticed. I'm gonna do a little bit of a of a sidetrack, but it's not very long. I promise. I once put together a medley. I edited together a medley of the entire "Spreading the Disease" album for mm-hmm. Anthrax. Yeah. And of course, it opens with A.I.R. Mm-hmm. Um, because I put every song in order. That same main drum beat, you know, is the same opening drum beat from this song. Okay. And I don't know if that means anything, but. It does serve the energy purpose mm-hmm. of kind of, it's mostly snare. Yeah. Um, and so there's not a lot of bottom end, so there's a little bit to be filled in by what the guitar is about mm-hmm. to do. Um, and speaking on that, when I first heard this song, it was live at Download 2015. Okay. They were playing with like Kiss and Juice Priest and a bunch of other people, and they had just, it was off of... Um, palladium i think
0: yeah that's they usually show all that stuff yeah um, i love that channel and they had a an
1: interview with matt the bellamy. lead singer yeah and what's his name matt bellamy matt bellamy i'm gonna say it now so i can remember it matt bellamy matt bellamy, um, matt, bellamy,
0: matt, bellamy matt bellamy and he
1: was talking about how he wanted the drones album to kind of sound like ACDC or van halen or like that classic rock stuff mm-hmm. and i heard that opening drum beat and then he comes in with a tapping riff.
0: Kind of sounds like, and I was like hot for teacher. And I was like, oh, this is
1: gonna be a hot for teacher remake. And then he does like the right key change. And then, you know, he'll do his third tapping um, and if you're a guitar player, you know, you know what I'm talking about. He'll do his third tapping uh, shape. Mm-hmm. And it's different. I'm like, oh, it's not a hot for teacher remake. He just pulled that idea and then as we get into the rest of the song, he pulls other ideas from other artists and makes stuff up on his own. And, of course, mm-hmm. there's the other two band members who are part of this. And yeah. so...
0: The whole guitar work in this song right. is right. insane.
1: What I expected is, is, is different from what I've got, and it's great.
0: Yeah, I remember, yeah, I was <laughs> listening to Drones, and, you know, I loved... The first three songs: Dead Inside, Psycho, Mercy. I was just like, "Yeah, okay, we've we've returned to like classic Muse at this point." Mm-hmm. And then Reapers came on, mm-hmm. and I remember that opening guitar mm-hmm. section. And I was just like, "Oh, oh my god!" And then that pre-chorus riff comes in. Uh, oh and I was just yeah, like, that is fantastic. I was just like, "Oh, oh my god!"
1: There is no way he's like not quad tracking the guitars or something because they're. They're turned way up in the mix. So line, thick. Part. And he's got that distorted um, vocal line where he's screaming drones. drones. Yeah.
0: Killed. Bye.
1: Yeah, which is pushed through some kind of synthesizer or yeah, something. Yeah, like a vocorder. Yeah, probably.
0: I don't know. And also, I don't know what he's doing on the chorus vocally They kind of have those like those like staccato vocal stabs going in the background. That's like one of my favorite parts of the song as well. Like. They did the I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. He's got there's almost, it's almost like a, like a sequenced set of vocal stabs that kind of fill in in between the words uh, that he's I, singing. I
1: can't hear it. To me, it just sounds like him doing something with the guitar where he's like playing a chord slightly differently. I don't know.
0: No, it's something vocal. It's like he's he's putting the vocals through like some kind of like processor that they're just, like, stabbing at, at certain hmm. intervals.
1: I'll have to listen to that again. Because there's a lot in this song. There's yeah. so much. It's just jam-packed full of great parts. I don't think there's a bad part in this song.
0: Yeah, let's talk about the solo.
1: Oh, yeah. So this is one of the solos that um, Matt Bellamy... Bellamy. 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 Oh, boy. Matt <laughs> Bellamy <laughs> will um, use a lot of weird effects on his guitar. He does that in supremacy during kind of the breakdown part or the, one of the slower parts. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is where he does like a pedal bend. Yeah. You know? And so it'll jump an octave so you can go way up an octave and play the same line. Um, and do weird kind of, uh, Tom Morello kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm.
1: Um, which I wouldn't be surprised if he got that from him. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and not because it's, like, he popularized it, because it's not a popular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, it, it is
0: in, I would say, like, more modern rock and roll.
1: Okay. I mean, not maybe popular. stuff I don't listen to. Yeah,
0: which is <laughs> the whole reason we do this podcast. Which is
1: the whole reason we do this podcast, is yes. Um, and so, all that to say is, this is another instance of Matt using different pedals and different effects to turn the guitar into something that it wasn't before. And he's playing a very synth line, Mm -hmm. pushed through a very synth-sounding guitar sound, but it's very distinctly guitar because you can hear kind of the sweat in him playing it. Yeah. You can can feel the emotion. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole Which you can't do with the seventh. The whole climax of that guitar solo, where he's just like strumming so <laughs> fast onto those—I don't know what he's effect he's doing on that. The, 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 just, the, the, the yeah, yeah, he's,
1: he's just pedal bending an octave. Yeah. You just, mean for the fast economy? Yeah, it's oh, sound, he's just picking fast.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, just like to where going. Like, like just getting that sound of it. It's so good.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's certainly distinct. I mean if you don't like it, it's distinct.
0: And then speaking of Muse end song breakdowns.
1: Oh man. Here come oh. Here oh, Come we, the Drone. We still Oh, there's still more before we get there.
0: Okay. There's still more.
1: So after the I think it's after the second verse and they go back into the did there's that drum kind of tom following it. Yeah. And then suddenly there's a crash, and it's just a very straight four four, and they're playing that riff. When I first heard that, I about knocked my head into the steering wheel. I was listening to it in it, to it in my car, and it's just it was instant headbang moment. And so I had to steal that idea in one of my own songs because it was just so good. Mm-hmm. They would play an offbeat riff, and the drums were kind of offset from the. From the unison well, it's, it's, guitar line. It
0: starts off playing identical right. to what the guitar lines doing. Right. But then right, but right. then when the B comes in, it comes in that that eighth note or like Yeah,
1: yeah. The I mean like yeah, the bass guitar unison line doesn't start on the one. It starts lightly after. It starts, on the, after and starts so, on the end of one. Right. And so the drums coming in first, you don't really expect it.
0: Yeah, and it's so. it's a great little twist of um, expectation. I
1: had, to, I had to say that. So when you're listening to this song, pay attention to that because that i think is the second greatest part of this song and you were just about to mention in my opinion the greatest part of this song
0: the metal the metal man which
1: is the here comes the drones yeah which reminds me of domination the end of domination yeah 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 um which also kind of has a very sing-along chorus and the same kind of um, breakdown at the end yeah um and sing along in a different way but it also has a siren in the background because it's like Mm -hmm. here comes the drones it's like oh no
0: yeah it's 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 the point it's almost like you could it's almost like a soundtrack to a massacre
1: yeah Mm -hmm. where it's just it's chaos
0: it's you know stuff is blowing up people Mm -hmm. are getting taken out left and right Mm -hmm. like the, the here come the drones
1: you're screwed they use ten of the 12 notes in the 12-tone scale to play this riff. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> and I didn't realize that until I was like trying to, you know, pick it out on the guitar. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> but that's a that's a muse thing, is they'll go chromatically. Mm-hmm. And um it's
0: got a really long fade out on it song where it's just like
1: oh yeah it's just
0: lingering on the devastation
1: mm-hmm.
0: of that riff
1: mm-hmm. and it, it kind of lingers a lot in the uh, in the music video too is mm-hmm. that they'll take a long time to kind of finish the whole video as well because there's a lot of layers to it and we probably don't have time to talk about that because there's so much about the songs we're about to get to um, but yes and the siren reminded me of escape. I'm also going to say that there's a lot of songs that this song reminded me of. Yeah, because I th- I think it was a very inspired song. Yeah, uh, more so than the previous songs because mm-hmm. I talked about hy- hysteria was my least favorite, and I think it's because it's yeah. there's no callbacks to anything else. I
0: think that's what makes it so. Right. It's just it's just, it's purely from inside them.
1: And I think this this is too, but there are
0: you know there, def- you can definitely hear where they're coming from, but they it's still very heavily processed through the muse filter.
1: Right, and that that's what's inspiring to me is I can hear their influences, and there are a lot of the same influences as my own, or at least close to.
0: But, it, but it's still like undeniably them, But their sound, yeah. and it's their so, signature
1: all Yeah, me it. as being an artist, it's like I can do that same thing. Is I can still have these influences that I draw from, but it's still me. Yeah. So, I enjoy that. And that, amongst all of the other reasons why we have previously mentioned, makes this my favorite song of the set. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that Yeah. <laughs> I was going between this and the last song for a little while, but yeah. I decided there's just so much in this one.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we move on to so we've, we've got just a this... long fade out. Yeah, and at this point it's just kind of like, okay, let's step back a minute. We can't top this mm-hmm. in intensity, at least not without getting, yeah. like, insane.
1: This song kind of starts, I'll say it starts like a Devin Townsend song. Ends up like a Queen song, and then finishes like another Devin Townsend song. <laughs> Be- because he'll play that piano. We talked yeah. about how he was uh-huh. a piano player. Yeah, um, excellent piano work in this song. Um, oh, we should name the song. Yeah, the Let's United the States
0: of Eurasia plus, plus collateral, collateral damage.
1: Da- yes. So. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> I uh, I was watching the behind the scenes of them because this is off the Resistance album. And watching the behind the scenes of them, and I love the way Matt Bellamy described the song. It's just like, you know, I wanted people to think that to hear the beginning of the song and them go, "Oh crap, it's a sappy love song," <laughs> and then we completely pull the rug out from under him when the that's exactly when the big what moment it when it comes oh, in. Oh yes, it was which great. is what I I kind of I had already put that song there for that reason, but and then heard him say that, to where I was just like, "Yeah, that's exactly what it is." <laughs>
1: But, uh, this is a song yeah.
0: that until I was putting the set together, I completely forgot about, and I was having a really hard time trying to figure out what this song was supposed to be, because mm-hmm. I was like, "How do I get from Reapers to the last song?"
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And because I was just like, "I want to have something like subdued here, but I don't want something like sappy. I don't want something like, I don't want like a a true ballad. I don't want something that's like like." More on their inspirational side. I remember I was just looking through the albums, and I put on because resi- uh, originally I was going to use the song "Resistance," mm-hmm. and I listened through, and I was just like, ah, "This isn't right." Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be wrong, as the song says. Mm-hmm. And then I just put on "United States of Eurasia," and I was just like, "Oh!"
1: oh. I forgot
0: <laughs> about this song, and I listened to it a couple more times. And I was just like. Oh my gosh! I forgot how good song so this, this song this is. So this is the deep cut. Yes, this is the deep cut. It's a
1: great deep cut.
0: Because they like don't ever play this song live anymore. They only I want to say they only played it on the Resistance tour. Because I was at one of those shows.
1: Yeah, this this was another contender. Honestly, this was another contender. Not I mean it's only not my favorite song. Because another another great government conspiracy and the, and song. And the last song, but it's, it's a very well written song like you Mm -hmm. said you know it starts off with the very good piano playing and kind of the, you know which sounds super devin townsend and
0: yeah and i mean it just it completely like
1: if you're not ready it could it's almost like a jump scare oh my god it, it really was and it sounds you talked about their queen influence I mean, this is or Queen worship this, right here. It was basically a Queen song.
0: That that those yeah. vocal harmonies and there can be only, only one. one, which yeah. is an iconic <laughs> Queen lyric as well. Um, well, I mean, I guess technically it's a Highlander lyric, um, but there's um, there's several songs from their kind of Magic album that contain the line "There can be
1: only one." It remind me of. I'm wondering um, if that's
0: a deliberate pull there.
1: Ooh, oh, Somebody to Love, that's the song that it reminded me of. The Queen. Okay. Song. As soon as I heard it, I'm like, Yep, that's what it is. But I couldn't think of the name of the song. Yeah. The, it reminds the... to me
0: it reminds me of like really early Queen, like mm-hmm. like first couple albums, Queen, when they were still really dark before they became a pop group. Mm-hmm. Like, especially off of like Queen Two. Mm. Which ooh I could talk forever about Queen Two. what a freaking <laughs> underrated record. Um and then so yeah, you've got that big like reveal and then it goes into that amazing Middle Eastern line. The <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, which which is kind of a callback to supremacy. Yeah. Yeah. Um with with kind of the, the synth and stuff. hmm And then still made me think, oh, maybe there's some Led Zeppelin influence. You know. And mm-hmm. Which I mean, every time I hear anything that has any sort of eastern sound, I think Led Zeppelin influence. And yeah. I know that's so wrong, but I think that. It's not
0: that much of their stuff had that sound. No, it's it.
1: literally only Kashmir.
0: Well, it's not like only Kashmir. <laughs> that was the only i would say that's the only big song. Yeah, had but, it, but I mean, yeah, there are some other album cuts that have that sound to it. Um, but yeah, and so and then you have that I would say it even you think that it can't get more queen, but mm-hmm. then when it goes into the Eurasia Ja 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 yeah that that whole section is just like you that's that's about as queen as you can get without like mm-hmm. completely plagiarizing them
1: and and then that's of course the final vocal line that right before has a very different breakdown from the previous two songs mm-hmm. and kind of that slow Go back to the piano, only the piano, and then some sound effects as yeah. well.
0: So this is a, an actual classical piece.
1: Oh, they didn't write this.
0: They did not write this. Oh. This is actually by um, Frederick Chopin, which mm. he his stuff is really, really hard to play
1: because... Chopin. Cho- Pronounced Chopin for some people. Cho- I, I pronounce it choppin.
0: Chopin. Chopin? <laughs> it's Chopin, not Chopin.
1: I've heard some people say Chopin. C-H-O-P-I-N. P.I.N.? Mm-hmm. Chopin. Yep. Yep. I mean, I'll agree with you, but I've heard it pronounced Chopin. So, Because
0: of the fact that a lot of his stuff, piano-wise, is very hand-independent, as well as it's meant to be played very emotionally, to where it's you're not playing to a strict rhythm or a strict dynamic, it's about, you know, like, you can stagger both of the hands to be playing almost, like, different tempos. To get mm-hmm. that dramatic effect. And so um, I think it's really, it shows how great of a piano player Bellamy
1: is because... Was it one take?
0: Uh, it sounds like it was. I don't know okay. for sure if it was. but
1: I was just wondering, like, if you wanted to do different tempos, you could do two takes. But all right. No, I, I don't <laughs> see
0: him doing that, though. And I've seen him play the piano live. He's certainly capable of doing some freaky stuff on the piano. Okay. Well, there you go. He's not a he's not one of those musicians that like like Axel that fancies himself kind of as a piano player. Oh, and he'll just he'll, <laughs> he'll like block chord his way through November
1: rain. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, Matt yeah. Bellamy
0: is a like he could be a classical concert pianist if he wanted to. He's that good. Hmm. I'll have to show you a true uh, a song that has a true Matt piano solo because it's just like disgustingly good um but that kind of gives us the the true emotional relief that Mm -hmm. the song originally fools you into thinking you're gonna get and then i like that at the end of the song
1: a plane flying overhead Mm -hmm. and and then there's kind of a little bit of a fade out
0: yeah so it's pretty much it's like I would say it's not a plane flying overhead I would say it's a it's a nuclear warhead oh about to descend upon the people and it's just like it's almost like this because you can have two ways of scoring the apocalypse you can either have like something like big chaotic scary or you could have something that's like hauntingly peaceful
1: mm and I think
0: that that's what's because it's collateral damage right. You've got the, the kids playing, and then you hear this, the, the missile coming, and...
1: Right. and then Which leads
0: us to the apocalyptic wasteland of our final song.
1: See, I, I didn't even know that. But okay, this song is called Knights of Cydonia. This song is amazing. It is super operatic and theatrical. It's off of Black Holes and Revelations. It's the final
0: song off that album. And
1: Obviously, it should be. I mean, it's a great ending this is, and the, song. And this
0: is a frequent closer of their live shows. Yep,
1: it closed, um, downloaded, actually closed the night that they played. They, they were the final band. And, mm-hmm. and, and fireworks and everything at the end, of course. And I noticed that everybody in the audience was singing along to this song. You know? So remember and, how? Oh, it was just so. So remember
0: dance. how I said that hysteria is usually like number one or number two. Mm-hmm, this is the other one. This is the other one. Oh, that it always, should be that it always oh, backs yeah. and forth with.
1: Oh, it should be. This one, this one deserves the the number one Muse song slot. Even though Reapers is my favorite, I don't think it's quintessential Muse. Yeah. You know, uh, as much as this song is.
0: It's hard for me to pick between. Uh, hysteria and, and Knights of Sidonia. But mm-hmm. Knights of Sidonia, yeah, it deserves all of the praise that it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this was the first Muse song I ever heard. And mm-hmm. again, by playing it on Guitar Hero and, and going, oh my gosh, what an epic song.
1: Mm-hmm. This and song has
0: so much going on in it.
1: It, and it. Well, you say that, and at the same time, it doesn't. I mean, there's a point it comes to in the song where. You know, they'll have different, like, chord progression sets. different Yeah, yeah. Ideas. And there comes to a point where it's just only one, and they just do theme and variation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. But it, I guess I should say it runs a lot of gamut of emotions. Perfect for a final song on yes. set. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, maybe my favorite Dom drum beat, and mm-hmm. one that is, like, if you don't have a floor tom on the other side of your hi-hat mm-hmm. it's like almost impossible to do mm. because I for the longest time could not figure out how he was playing this drum beat mm-hmm. and finally I watched him do it live and then I realized that I can't do that because I don't have an extra tom right here oh
1: man <laughs> but just... I
0: but I figured out a way to still do it but it's so hard I have to like like I gotta like he is currently reach. flailing his Yeah, arms. I know. It's, it's hard whenever people it's a, can't see me.
1: <laughs> it's hard to um audiolistically whatever the word uh, is. Uh, yeah, that's Auditorily word. That's des- that's not a word either. Describe that's a word. Okay. Orally. It's hard to There you go. Describe what just transpired in front of me. Yeah. But it looks so you've got it really hard. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's really difficult and whenever I play along with this song, like it takes all of my concentration what, to stay what, on
1: part is it during the
0: it's during the gallop oh
1: yeah and that's one of the very few points in this song where they are not going through the big mixolydian chord progression oh yeah which you know we'll we'll get to at the end so
0: so you talked about how um the other songs have like an old western
1: feel to it. this one in my mind only does in the beginning okay but but if you hadn't heard the beginning you wouldn't notice that it was like really old western or whatever mm-hmm. but because there's that beginning it carries through okay know? it's not like um collateral damage where it's like it's it's a completely different feel than mm-hmm. from Shaw Shaw, you know um at the end it still carries the same energy, if it were already there. Mm-hmm. The, long story short, yes, there is some Western ideas in the very beginning, especially because you hear the horses galloping, yeah, kind of towards along you. with
0: the along with the lasers.
1: Yes, yes, <coughs> cowboys versus aliens, yeah, kind of stuff. Just about. Uh, I, this is a great music video too. <laughs> it's a weird music video. Oh man! Okay. But there's, like, unicorns and, like, floating CDs and kind of reminds me of 2112 and the fact that, like, it seems like music is banned or something. It's been
0: a long time since I've seen it. I can remember just bits and pieces. I remember seeing it and just going, what am I
1: watching? (laughs) Yeah. No, there's there's definitely the political aspect, I feel like. Yeah. Because he's saying in the main course, you know, no one's going to take me alive.
0: It's time has,
1: come to, make time things has right. come to
0: make things right. You and I must fight for our rights. You and I must fight. I mean, yeah, that's that's one of their tried and true political anthems of "You can't control us, we're going to rebel." Mm-hmm. You know, again, that's that's uprising. That's um, you know, that's supremacy. That's
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's Knights of Sidonia. It's they've they've I, got yeah they've got so many. Um, I mean, I would
1: but, say supremacy is is. More of like the oh we're gonna overthrow you because we can, whereas Knights of Sidonia is like, you can't tell me what to do, kind of I, political rebellion. I mean, that's you know it sounds what I mean? like the same thing to me. Okay, well, Toma- tomato potato. You, uh, To you, it's comparing apples and oranges, but like, there's I I see there's a difference between justified rebellion and unjustified.
0: See, rebellion. and in my opinion, it. It's, it is justified in supremacy. It's not worth overthrowing you. Um, because we can't. Because we know that you're up to no good and we know that what it, you're doing is is not right and so that's why you're saying you don't have long, I'm on to you. Like, I know what you're doing and you're not going to get away with it.
1: Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, because there is the I'm on to you. Line. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they sing this chorus, I think that's the rest of the lyrics.
0: Yeah, because it's, it's, <laughs> the song is very lyrically sparse, mm-hmm. but it lets the, oh, it but it lets the groove speak for themselves. Oh, oh so yeah. Once yeah. you get and talking about grooves, maybe the greatest Muse groove of all time is the is the final riff of this. Yes, song. Yes,
1: so so they're going through the a very basic Mixolydian chord progression, which is kind of like the one major and then the flat seven major, which is basically just E major, D major. And then I think A major is the next one. And then back to E major. And a lot of generic, you know, 80s rock songs will have that same kind of chord progression. Tease Me, Please Me by Scorpions. Mm-hmm. Same chords. Um, a lot of rat songs. I think we talked about uh, 17 goes through kind of the same hmm. ideas. Um, and so there's some 80s influence there, you know, um, which we've talked I've talked a lot about influences with them. I don't know why, but maybe because I can just hear it from them versus other artists. Um, But then they go into it's got to be like the simplest riff. (laughs) Yeah, it's so. But it's set up so well. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing. Having the vocals
0: come in first by can. itself, yeah. and then it builds up, and just that, that release of tension is just it's. Right. You. Yeah. Mm
1: hmm. Mm
0: I've seen Muse twice live, both times when that song kicks on. Like, the whole crowd gets up and just starts jumping. No, I
1: believe it. I would be, too. Are you kidding me? Oh. There is a mosh pit I would be not in. it. There's not not really a mosh pit of a (laughs) Muse
0: show, but it's more of, like, you know, it's more of arena to where it's everyone's, like, together. Right. Everyone's banded together Mm -hmm. instead of fighting each other.
1: Mm -hmm. But, um, oh, yeah. Musical context is everything, I think, with Muse. Yes. I think that's, that's what has been shown throughout all these songs is there's some kind of good riffs because of where they're placed mm-hmm. you know if if they had been placed in perhaps a different musical context it would kind of been you know haphazardly thrown around and seem kind of mediocre
0: hmm. interesting you know? yeah
1: but because they place things the way they do especially with this riff
0: they're great arrangers it's
1: awesome Yeah, and and we talked about that earlier with with one of the bands that we're going to get to in a future episode did that very well. Did another very generic um, chord progression, but they placed it at an excellent spot in the song that it was something novel. Yeah. And Muse did that with this song.
0: Awesome. Well, those are our six songs, so we're going to take a small break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the bonus song, so stay with us.
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just finished talking about our six Muse songs, which once again you can find in a link in the description of every episode. And now we are going to talk about the bonus song and our final thoughts. So... What is a bonus song? Bonus
0: song. This is a song from an artist that I probably would not give an entire episode to, although that's not always the case. Like, I would say this band, maybe in the future, if I learned more about them, I could give them a full episode. As of right now, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's my opportunity to be able to talk about great songs that from artists that maybe, say, don't have a large body of work to be able to pull from. Mm -hmm. Um, I can already see this being controversial as a bonus song, but I still just want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But um, I like for there to be some kind of connection with the main artist, um, either that be similar sound, similar time frame, whether there be a personal connection with the members of the band. And so that way it's not just like some random song that I'm Mm -hmm. picking. So, the song that we're talking about for the bonus song this episode is Reptilia by The Strokes.
1: Yes. Which is... uh, I don't know. This song, I I wouldn't say it was necessarily a bonus. I I feel bad saying that. But, anyway, what's the connection? We'll talk about why I didn't like it. So,
0: um... You can hear a lot of similarities oh, between yeah. the sound of this song and from what Muse was doing. They were around at the same time, kind of in the same scene. Obviously, Muse was way bigger, but the strokes got, got big-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister was really into them for mm-hmm. a while. Um, Julian Casablanca is the lead singer. He's kind of been able to transcend a bit his band to kind of have his own thing going. I have heard that name, yeah. And... Um, there, I could probably scrape together a list of songs for them, but it's like I kind of don't want to.
1: Then yeah, but I really like
0: yeah. like I've heard other songs theirs. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. I really do like this song though. This is a song that I've listened to for a long time. It's always kind of stuck with me. So I want to I want to hear your opinions on it.
1: Once again, like um, Hysteria, I think it was just forgettable. You know, it's just there's nothing special about this song.
0: See, I disagree. I, I think. think I don't think there has to be like these these crazy ideas and songs. for I them. mean, when, you, when
1: you're when you're put against supremacy and United States of Eurasia and Knights of Sidonia, you kind of stand got to stand out a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, you know, if if a band is putting out music like that, they're not going to be this small little band. That's you true. Know. Um, so I think that this song is just a good representation of more of the straightforward part of that scene that they were in, just kind of the, the garage rock mm-hmm. days of the early two thousands. Um, I think that the simplicity of this song is what really kind of drives it for me in the same way that I love the simplicity of hysteria. Yeah. Um, you're going to find throughout this podcast that I love simple songs that have simple riffs, simple grooves, because that's just what the song needs. But, I mean,
1: like you have, you gotta have the simple stuff, but it's gotta be simple, memorable, good stuff. Like, like Refugee. We talked about Tom Petty in, yeah. a, in a recent episode. Refugee is a great example of that. Simple, memorable. You know, I, I don't, I don't see that with this song.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it is. <laughs> I, mean, okay. that, that, the, I I love the way it starts with the bass line. Mm -hmm. it's got a great build up to that main guitar riff uh that guitar riff i feel like is something that kind of can stick in your head i love the way that the vocals come across in the song it's kind of like very dis disjointed but at the same time like very intense it's kind of um almost like it's removed emotionally, but at the same time emotionally charged. I think it makes Mm -hmm. it great for the lyrical themes of the song. Which is? Just kind of this uh, almost like a revenge story Mm -hmm. in a relationship. Mm. Just like, um, you know, this woman that is constantly um, berating him and, and talking down to him and kind of like in the end he's secretly gonna get his revenge, like, you know, the night's not over, you're not laughing hard enough, like it's kinda like, you know, I'm gonna have the last laugh in the end.
1: Mm. I I, I think maybe the reason why I I didn't really enjoy the song is because you came off of a perfect ending of Knights of Sidonia.
0: Yeah. And, and so
1: <coughs> my brain kind of turned off.
0: I know? don't I don't always intend for the bonus song to be like listen to with right
1: it's just that's what ends up happening
0: yeah to me, unfortunately there the, i don't include that as part of the flow of the set but rather right. you know it's almost like when you listen to the bonus song it's like you you should kind of more listen to it as like just as itself
1: mm-hmm. okay That I might will keep that, that, that in mind that, that may, might help They that might change things yeah um so anyway um don't forget all these songs are in the link in the description yeah really sad for you guys to hear us talk about these songs and then not listen to them yourselves because we can talk all day but ultimately
0: we we hummed a lot in this episode the greatest
1: test is your ears with their music yes so, well, with that being said, yeah I think we should move to final thoughts yes okay so
0: you go first well. <laughs> Muse has, for a very long time, been one of my favorite bands. While I don't like everything that they've made, as I've made clear, the stuff that I do like is among my favorite. Um, They were hugely influential on me, starting off when I was learning to be a musician. And even though I don't like what they're doing musically now... I'm going to continue to follow them until they aren't a band anymore. And I wouldn't say that my appreciation for them has gone up Mm -hmm. in the research for this, just because my appreciation for them was already at a very high level. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but it was really fun getting to kind of try and brainstorm because... I find that with the artists that I really love and that I know, like, pretty much everything that they've made, it makes the list a lot harder because Mm -hmm. I also know about all the deep cuts that I could put in there. Yeah. And I make some, like, I had a lot of variations on this set Mm -hmm. that I finally nailed down, but, like, You know, I knew all these songs that I could Mm -hmm. fit in there and that made the decisions a lot harder. But -hmm. it also makes it a lot more rewarding because I feel like I can make a better list that way because I know more intimately what I'm working with.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I guess I'll try to turn all my thoughts into cohesive language. Um, The language of the (laughs) cohesives. Before this... uh, podcast obviously i told you i'd only listen to like three songs that were not off of drones mm-hmm. um i loved reapers i loved knights of sidonia i'd heard uprising before i'd played starlight before um and i didn't know about kind of the united states of eurasia supremacy side of muse mm-hmm. you know and this was my first introduction to that yeah and before recording this segment, Lucas had showed me Butterflies and Hurricanes and um, space, dementia. space Dementia, which is a lot of Matt Bell-min-y. Bellamy. Bellamy. <laughs> Bellamy. <laughs> I was going to say Bellamonte for a second. So
0: Bellamy.
1: Bellamy. Matt Bellamy showing his musical prowess on the piano in a very impressive way. And so... I didn't increase my appreciation of Muse by listening to these songs because already I had heard my favorite songs of the set. Okay. You know, but going through this podcast, just recording this podcast, and you kind of telling the story of Muse and like what they're all about and all that stuff increased my appreciation more than probably just listening to any. Oh, that's beautiful. Cool. So I think going forward, I'm going to or I should say this band is probably going to end up turning into another Pantera or ghost or, um, I can't think of another example, like Metallica, where it's like, I've heard a few of their songs and then very slowly I'll start delving in deeper and deeper and deeper. And then I can't escape, but until I've listened to everything. So that's probably what's going to happen. Um, no matter what, I think I said that about Soundgarden. That's actually not the case. Um, it, turned into Alice in Chains. But anyway, I am digressing. I'm not a Muse fan, but I am optimistic about hearing some more Muse music. Groovy. Groovy. Oh, and the other thing I was going to say was Muse is kind of like, I think if I had to put them into one word would be vibey. Yeah. They're not a hard rocking band. They're not like a dance band. Like, if you want to listen to me, uh, Muse, it just kind of gives you kind of like a, mm, like good feeling, you know? hmm Yeah. Just, you, vibe to it. hmm That's a good way to put That's it. That's my other final thought. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please hit the subscribe button. Share with your friends, people that you think, uh... Might like this kind of thing and uh, leave us a review. Um, let us know what we're doing right and uh, let us know what bands you want us to hear. Uh, you that you want to hear us talk about next. And um, don't forget that we've got episodes that come out every Monday morning, 9 a.m. Central. Um, on our next episode, I'm trying to think. Ooh, we're gonna be going to the to a formative band of the Alternative rock. Oh, yes, 90s. we are. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to be really excited to talk about this Classic
1: one. band, yes. Yes.
0: So uh, check in next week for that one. And uh, once again, thank you so much for listening. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Keep on listening to good music. See ya.